Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. I'm Michelle Martin. Good morning. Asia-Pacific shares appear to be struggling for direction this morning following a bout of selling on Wall Street overnight. In Tokyo, the Nikkei is trending lower despite signs that Japan's export market is rebounding. Japanese exports jumped nearly 50% in May as compared with a year earlier. Shares in Sydney and Seoul, meanwhile, both inching higher as investors await industrial and retail data from China this afternoon and an announcement from the the U.S. Federal Reserve this evening. Joining me now to break down all the market action is Kyle Roda. He joins us live from Australia, where he's an analyst with IG. Good morning, Kyle. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Kyle, U.S. stocks traded lower overnight, giving back some of Monday's gains as investors await the end of a two-day U.S. Federal Reserve meeting this evening. The Nasdaq fell 0.7%. The Dow and S&P 500 suffered smaller losses. The big question is whether the Fed will signal plans to tighten credit by cutting back on those bond purchases or eventually raising interest rates. And key to that question is whether or not current price rises are transitory or a long-term trend. Up till now, the Fed has maintained that the recent spikes in inflation are just temporary, and a new survey by the BOA Bank of America shows that nearly three-quarters of fund managers agree. Kyle, what do you think? Um, Well, I agree with that survey, and I think, in fact, it's something that the bond market has been communicating for several months now, but um, if you look at the break-evens curve, um, Markets are discounting that inflation pressures in the short term are going to be quite considerable, uh, but they're going to be transitory and they're going to, to fade over time. So, I mean, we did see that big sort of spike in yields back in February and March, and that was certainly to do with the fact that there was growing concern that inflationary pressures might be a little stronger and, and market participants were pricing in that risk that, you know, maybe they would be a little bit more than transitory or, or, or sustained. Um, but as we've got the data come through um, over the last couple of months, and obviously in the last couple of weeks in particular, um, it's certainly fleshing out that inflation risks aren't considered to be um, something that's long-term in the market. Um, and you know, I think we're starting to see that sort of manifesting a little bit in price action and, and, and I suppose market discourse a little bit more. So um, my view is it's, it's actually been sort of baked into the market for some time and, and now the market commentary is just catching up to that fact. Mm. The Fed has several new data points to consider as it meets this evening. Producer prices in the US climbed 6.6% in May. That's the largest such increase on record. Retail sales, meanwhile, dropped more than 1% as consumers spent less on on big-ticket items. Now, most analysts believe the Fed may pencil in a rate hike for 2023 and that it could begin to talk about tapering off bond purchases without giving too many details. If we look back in history for a moment, going back to 2013, the markets didn't react too well when the Fed announced it would taper off its bond purchases. The so-called taper tantrum led to a sharp increase in U.S. Treasury yields and a fall in share prices. Kyle, are you concerned that we could see a similar reaction this time round, whether it's today or later, the Fed will eventually tighten credit? Yeah, well, I mean, it's obviously a question of when it happens and not if, because with the US economy picking up, eventually they are going to have to step back a little bit and 
um, obviously ease, ease the support that they are providing the US economy. I think market participants, generally speaking, are, are really waiting for Jackson Hole in August to, to be the time when the Fed starts to signal that. Um, if, for example, we did start to see in the statement that we're going to get from the Fed tomorrow, or even some of the commentary that we get in the next few weeks from Fed speakers once they come out of this sort of blackout period um, before before a meeting, um, and, and they do suggest that um, or imply in, in some way that you know tapering might be on the table a little earlier than expected or, or might be starting to get discussed now, that's definitely a big risk to the markets because, again, the markets aren't really positioned for any talk of tapering, I think, until in, until August. So um, at the moment, you know, obviously market participants are reasonably comfortable that eventually this um, uh, tapering discussion is going to happen. But I think the markets believe it's not going to happen for a, a few months yet. So if we start to see some sort of sense that at least some Fed members are, are talking about tapering or, or, you know, even starting to want to uh, discuss the, the path to rate hikes. I think that will come to, as, a, as a little bit of a shock to the market. I think that's probably the key risk around the Fed meeting tomorrow morning, or tomorrow morning our time. So let's say for a moment there is a tapered tantrum that the markets quickly drive up interest rates. Is there anything investors can do, in your opinion, to hedge against this risk? Uh, my opinion would be by the US dollar. Um, I, I think if you did see a, a tapering merge, the, the first thing that would happen, um, and it would be a short to medium term phenomenon, is that um, yields would rise and all of a sudden the US dollar would, would be quite heavily bid on the two, two, two bases there. First, obviously, it will be the, the yield story. Yields will climb relative to the rest of the, the world and that will attract flows into the US dollar. It will also probably catalyze a little bit of a risk-off move and we'll start to see market participants moving into to safety. So you, you'd buy the dollar there too. So at the moment, actually, you know, in the, in the short term and even just looking at technicals, the dollar looks quite constructive at the moment. And if we got, an earlier, if we got some earlier discussion uh, about tapering from the Fed, just say in the next two or three months or within that time frame, I think the dollar would be what would really, um, I suppose, be the, the, the safest haven for investors to protect from that volatility and, 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 and play that trade. One last question on the topic before we move on. The 2013 taper tantrum sent shockwaves through Asia. Central banks had to burn through their reserves to protect Asian currencies while borrowing costs were driven up across the region. Bloomberg is running an article today, though, arguing that Asian countries may be better placed today to withstand such a shock. What do you think? Are, are we better placed to withstand a shock? Do you agree? Well, I mean, I think, again, almost going to, uh, back to, to the question of expectations is mm-hmm. that if, if the Fed move a little bit quicker than the markets are currently positioned for, it's going to have deleterious effects for, for Asian markets because there will be some pressure on financial conditions. There will be some pressure on um, the outlook for, for, for the global economy and, and obviously cyclical um, cycle-sensitive areas of global markets like, like Asian equities, generally speaking. So, you know, although uh, there, there is a capacity now to, to withstand that shock and, and, you know, global central banks have, have done a lot to, especially in emerging markets in Asia, have done a lot to make sure that they're a little less exposed to the, I suppose, the winds, if you will, of, of Federal Reserve policy. The simple fact of the matter is if that we do see an earlier introduction of tapering talk from from the Fed. It will have an impact on financial conditions and it will cause some volatility um, in Asian markets in particular. Let's turn to the other big topic that's been dominating market conversations, and that's COVID-19. The number of pandemic-related deaths in the U.S. has now reached nearly 600,000. But with vaccination rates on the rise, states are opening up 
New York and California have lifted most restrictions. For the first time since March, Disneyland is welcoming out-of-state visitors. Fireworks set to resume as well. Even the White House is planning a 4th of July celebration. Here in Asia-Pacific, though, the feeling is far less jubilant. So, Kyle, what I want to ask you is, do you think we're going to see a decoupling between the U.S. and Asia-Pacific markets, perhaps with investors more enthusiastic about the U.S. than APEC? Yeah, well, I still think we're seeing a fairly uneven global recovery. Um, and I think that there are several concerns now for Asia that are potentially weighing, relatively speaking, on the outlook. And, and one of those is, of course, the fact that you know, the UK and the US in, in, in particular has been leading the sort of vaccine drive and they're looking to, to open up. And that sort of uh, story of US exceptionalism seems to be prevailing again and, and, and seeing um, investors I suppose, drive flows into, into U.S. assets over and above everything else. There is a concern, too, that we may be starting to hit the, the sort of closer to the peak of the economic cycle. And, and a part of that is the fact that, obviously, China is looking to cool off a little bit um, the, the, the growth story in, in, in its economy, and, and it's sort of having um, a bit of an impact on um, regional markets as well. So, I mean, I think that, that what we're seeing right now is still indications of, of a very uneven recovery across across the globe and a, and a recovery that's really being driven by the U.S. now more than anywhere else. So there is probably now, I think, markets positioning for you know U.S. economic outperformance and, and, and outperformance in Europe too, mind you, as well, um, and that the, the, the outperformance that we did see in, in Asian markets throughout the back end of 2020 and early 2021, um, that may have come to an end at, at this point in time. So I definitely think there's more of a skew um, to, towards sort of European and, and U.S. assets over Asia on that basis. He's Kyle Roder joining us live from Australia where he's an analyst with IG. I'm Michelle Martin and you're with us here on Market View. Kyle, if we take a step back, what is your overall take now on US stocks? Overall in, in equities across the globe, we're, we're hitting a bit of a consolidation phase. Um, it would seem to me that there's uh, less of an impetus and a l- less of a, a, a drive um, at the moment to, to buy into risk assets. Uh, really because we've juiced a lot of the good macroeconomic news. Um, you know, the, the fiscal stimulus has probably been more or less priced in that we're going to get. Uh, the reopening trade and the vaccine, and, you know, the vaccine trade that sort of began in November has also been priced in. With the markets now looking towards the Fed that, you know, is only going to, to tighten or, or, or taper their policy from here. Uh, what I can see now is investors sort of sitting to the sidelines, looking for safety. It's probably one of the reasons why we're seeing yields fall. Mm-hmm. Um, and staying out of the stock market just at the margins as, as they look to kind of, you know, recalibrate and, and see where we go um, in, from, from, from this cycle from here with valuations so high. So at the moment, neutral is a little bit, uh, uh, sentiment is a little bit neutral, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's kind of weighing on risk assets in the moment and seeing a slight bias towards safe havens. Yeah. In other news, the U.S. and European Union have set aside a major trade dispute, one that predates the Trump administration even. For the past 17 years, Washington and Brussels have argued over the support that each side gives to their aircraft makers, Boeing and Airbus. But now they've reached a five-year truce that will allow them to focus on a common adversary, China. Beijing, of course, not pleased. It issued a statement saying that the U.S. is, quote, very ill indeed. Kyle, what do you make of all this? Is it good news for the airline industry, not so good for U.S.-China relations? Yeah, exactly. Um, and clearly the strategic element here is that the Biden administration is hoping to make U- uh, U.S. policy much more reliant on multilateralism and, and obviously uh, relationships with other liberal democracies to be able to preserve its interests. 
um, as well as obviously build a coalition more or less um, around um, strategic competition with with China. Um, and of course, as we know, you know the Europeans are sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place in terms of their strategic reliance on the United States from a military point of view. Uh, but of course, um, their, their economic dependence on China um, as well. So I think the Biden administration understands that um, the Europeans want to walk a, a middle line um, and they don't want to aggravate China particularly much because of, again, their economic reliance. So there's other ways that you know the Biden administration is, is trying to maintain those relationships and ensure that they have um, similar interests and unaligned interests when it comes to global geopolitics. So this is obviously very positive for, for the airlines, mm-hmm. um, but it does speak, of course, to this building multi multipolarity in, in global in global power, uh, which creates you know. There's, there's clear divisions and clear risks in financial markets mm. of um, uh, conflict uh, and strategic competition between the US and China. Let's bring the conversation back to markets now. Asia-Pacific shares open mix this morning. Seoul is trending slightly higher. Last I checked, Tokyo was in the red and Sydney was flat. Investors have their eyes on an export data point from Japan showing a big jump and a slew of numbers due out from China this afternoon. Kyle, what do you think listeners need to know about Asia-Pacific trade now? Um, I think what they need to know is that we're going to really trade in the shadows of this Fed meeting um, and that the next move in markets are going to be dictated by what comes out by the Fed. Now, personally, I think they're going to come out pretty dovish and, and stick to their accommodative tone. Um, but those dot plots are going to be incredibly important as to, as to whether at the margins, you know, um, Fed members are, are wanting to, to paraphrase Jay Powell, think about thinking about tapering somewhere um, in, the, in the next sort of few months. So we're, we're going to see probably a bit of a risk off in the next sort of 12 to 18 hours in markets. That's going to see a bit of softness in Asian stocks today as a result. Um, but the, the, the real reaction will come tomorrow morning when we get that information out from the Fed. Um, and, you know, we'll have to just wait and see to see what they say before we, you know, see a, a real meaningful move, I think, in price. Yeah. Here in Singapore, the Straits Times Index closed up two-thirds of a percent yesterday at 31.74. The blue chip index seems relatively range-bound these past couple of months. After making solid gains earlier in the year, Kyle, do you think there is much upside for Singapore shares going forward? I think so, and that's just on the basis that I don't think the end of the economic cycle is in sight yet, um, but we're in a bit of a mid-cycle plateau, and, and given that, you know, obviously Singapore stocks tend to be fairly sensitive to the uh, the global business cycle and, you know, quote, you know, so, uh, uh, fairly sensitive to, quote, value stocks or value sectors, uh, it means that there might be a period of consolidation here. I think in the long run, things are still pretty bullish, uh, but just like the ASX and other, other parts of the Asian region, uh, at the moment, there's a little bit of a lull in trade, um, and it, this might prevail for, for a little while while um, investors assess the outlook. Good to speak with you, Kyle. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. He's Kyle Roder, live from Australia, where he's an analyst with IG. 19 minutes into the local trading day. This is Your Money. I'm Michelle Martin. Straits Times Index at 31.65.64, down uh, 0.29%. Still to come, all your questions answered on cryptocurrency. That's happening at 10.05 with me. Before acting on the information on Money FM. Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.